Would you please pray with me? Oh, Father God, we are here because of the deep, deep love of Jesus. And oh, how that has changed our lives. Father, how that has given us meaning and joy and purpose. And oh, Father, we thank you that you have demonstrated an incredible love for sinners like us. That you would send Jesus to come and show us his deep, deep love for you and for us. That we could be a part of your family. Father, we ask that you would continue to come through the preaching of your word and teach us. Jesus, be our teacher. May your deep, deep love be our guide. Lead us again to the cross. Lead us again to the Father. Lead us again to this love that has changed us so that we can now live our lives reflecting that love. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians 5 as we continue our study together of this incredible book. We're going to be looking at the first two verses of Ephesians 5 today. Hey, back in the 1990s, um, there was an amazing fad that that hit the church. Um, back in those days, I was a youth director, youth pastor, uh, right here at Orangewood. And something became incredibly popular. So much so that we had to make bracelets to remind ourselves of four letters. Anybody know what those four letters were or are? W. WJD. And we wore them on our wrist to remind ourselves of the question, what would Jesus do? Now, how many of you all admit to wearing one of those? You want to separate from those people? No, just kidding. Uh, I did as well. Well, really, that was uh, uh, back in the 90s. But 100 years before that, a guy by the name of Charles Shelton wrote a book called In His Steps. And uh, beyond the title, it was kind of a subtitle, What Would Jesus Do? It's interesting, it was a fictional book written by a pastor. He actually read that to his congregation on Sunday nights. It became an amazing bestseller. You know how many copies it sold? 30 million copies. It became number 39 on the all-time best-selling list in his steps. So again, what was a rage in the 1990s was a rage in the 1890s, asking the question, what would Jesus do? But really, it's some 2,000 years before that, that Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, basically asked the same question, but maybe in a different light. We're going to look at Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, which could sound a little bit like, what would Jesus do? Because you're going to see, and we're going to read together God's holy word, it's going to tell us that we need to be imitators of Christ. The Greek word there for imitators is where we get our English word, mimic. We are to mimic. We are to do what Jesus does. But I believe if Paul were to give out a bracelet... Um, about that way back 2,000 years ago, I don't believe 
he would ask the question, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Paul would really make a statement that he's going to make to us that we have to get. Because if we get miss this statement, WWJD means nothing. And the statement he would make is this, not what would Jesus do, but WHJD. What has Jesus done? There's a big difference because now as he calls us to be mimickers of Jesus, it's really in light not of uh, what we do now, but in light of what Jesus has done then. What he has done for us to set us free um, and to make us whole. So really the question for Paul, I think, is a lot more of what has Jesus done? And oh my, what Jesus has done for us. So let's turn in our Bibles, God's holy inerrant word, to Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2. And let's give God's word some uh, respect that it desires. If you're able, will you stand with me as we read God's holy word? Paul writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, for the church at Ephesus and for us, these words. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let us pray. God, may You add blessing to the preaching of your word. May the meditations of my heart and may the words of my mouth be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I don't have a bracelet for you today. But if I did, the bracelet I would have for you to remind you would not be WWJD. It wouldn't even necessarily be WHJD. But it would be part of what Paul says amazingly as the why we need to be imitators of God's Word. If I were to make you a bracelet, here's what I would make you. Because of God, we are God's beloved children. If we had a bracelet that said, because... We are God's children because of a reality of a Savior who died for us. The reality of a Savior who washed us clean. For the reality that we are robed in His righteousness. For the reality that we are His beloved children. We now need to respond because of that. The why. Why are we imitators of Christ? It is the because. Because we are God's beloved children of God. We imitate God as family members. And again, I think a lot of ways religion will say that maybe this earthly time that we have is for us to try to imitate God so we can be accepted as family members. That we're to act like He does so we can be loved. So we can be accepted. So that we can be His. And if the thought here today is that God is calling us to perform so that we could become, that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's Word very clearly tells us that all of us are by nature children of wrath. 
All of us by nature are not going to imitate God. We're going to mock God. And so if we try to imitate Jesus, imitate God the Father, apart from a saving relationship with the family, really it's futile. It really is very, very futile. And it, it's, uh, it's really mockery. I remember uh, those days of wearing uh, a wristband. There was a, a favorite pizza joint of mine that I would go to, imagine that, uh, all the time as a youth guy who loves New York-style pizza. And the owner's wife, after a while, said, what is that bracelet all about? Can I have one? I remember giving her that little cheap bracelet that said WWJD, but wanting to make sure that that is not the ultimate question. The ultimate question is this, are you a child of God or not? Are you in the family? Are you part of the beloved? Because what we do and how we try to imitate Jesus doesn't make us beloved. We respond to the reality fact that we are beloved. We are invited to imitate Christ because of the reality we are His children. One of my favorite verses is 1 John 3.1. 1 John 3.1 says this, Behold the manner in which the Father has loved us. He has lavished love upon us. Behold this amazing love that God has for you, that He's lavished upon you and me, that we, sinners like us, we should be called the children of God. And again, I want to say, if that is all the verse said, we have reason today to break into song because God has said that He is going to call us His children. I've coached Little League before, and it's times when you have a kid that you really love and you appreciate him, and maybe over the season you may call out to him and say, hey son, let me tell you something, or hey, I want to congratulate you, and you may use a very family, familiar term of a term of endearment of calling this boy son or daughter, but in reality, I'm not their father, and it might be a really nice term, but it's not a reality. And I love what 1 John 3.1 says this. It says, this love that God has lavished upon us in Christ Jesus and the work of Christ. Behold the manner of this love that we should be called the children of God. And here's the kicker. Are you ready for that? And that is what we are. I mean, it's not some, it's just some made-up title. It's not some term of endearment. Do you know that the God of the universe through Christ Jesus' His Son sees us as His adopted, beloved children? That we are joint heirs with Christ. And I love the reality of the fact that it says that we are His beloved sons and daughters. We're beloved. It's not just that we're His legal sons and daughters. Listen, I'd be really excited if he just called me son. I'd be really excited if he just said, okay, legally, I'm going to adopt you as my son. And I tell you, I give him nothing of my own to call me beloved. I'm his wayward son. I'm his continually failing son. I'm his prone to wander son. How are you? I'm his prone to forget son. I'm the son who could at the same time be the elder brother in the prodigal son story and the younger brother. How in the world can the God of the universe call us beloved? Anybody have an idea? It's his only beloved son, Jesus. 
It's the One who's come to live for us, to die for us. And all that He sees in His Son, He now gives to us. And He calls us His beloved children. You see, the question really is, what has Jesus done? What has He done? He's taken the Father's eternal love for sinners like us. And Jesus has rescued us. He's paid the price for us. He's brought us near those who were once far away. We now are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God Almighty. And now our lives are a reflection, an imitation of Jesus because of that reality. Not to make that reality. Do you see the difference? The amazing grace. The amazing grace of God. So why do we imitate Jesus? Why do we imitate the Father? It is because we are His children. What do we imitate about God? Interestingly, what do we imitate? Well, we imitate those attributes, uh, those communicable attributes. It's a theological term if you're following in your bulletin. It's those things that God gave us as His image bearer that reflects who He is. As God is loving, we're called to be loving. As God is merciful, we're called to be merciful. As God sows justice, we're called to show justice. It's those attributes of God that He shares with us. We're to imitate Him. We're to be friends of sinners. We're to show grace and mercy. We're to lead with love. We're to love the Father with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're to imitate God the way He loves, the way He acts. Now, there's some attributes of God we can't uh, imitate because they make God God. They're, they're, they're attributes that He doesn't share with us. That's His eternal nature. That He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is different than us. Isn't that good news? He's greater than us. He is the Creator. We're the creation. But what we are to imitate is that reflects those qualities that He has given to us. Love. Mercy, justice, holiness. Jesus himself uh, on the Sermon of the Mount talked about this kind of love. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 and 45, Jesus says, But I say unto you, love. 1 John tells us that the one characteristic of God that can be summed up of all of God. Can you imagine one word summing up God? I mean, God is love. But I say to you, love, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. What do we imitate? We imitate His actions, His character that He has shared with us. And the reality is this. You cannot imitate what you do not know. Let me say it again. You cannot imitate what you do not know. I could call any one of you up here and say, okay, I want you to imitate my best friend, my childhood friend, David O'Connor. Imitate him. Tell me the way he walks. Show me the way he walks. Show me the way he talks. Imitate my friend, David O'Connor. And the first thing you'll say is, I can't. Why? Because I don't know him. God calls us to be imitators of God as dearly loved children. But we can't imitate what we don't know. So God reveals himself to us. He reveals Himself to us through creation. He reveals Himself to us through His Word. And we are to grow in our love and knowledge of Him. Why? So we can reflect more who He is. So we can bring Him glory. 
So we can show the world that our God lives and our God reigns. And we are a reflection. Why? Because we are beloved children who want to be like Daddy, Abba Father, who want to reflect Daddy's character, who want to walk in a manner worthy of the Gospel. You cannot imitate what you do not know. How do we imitate God? Through His Word and His Spirit. It's really becoming His children with childlike faith. And now acting like Dad. How's your life? How's your lifestyle? Does it imitate God? And let me tell you, if you're not a child of God, it's, it's vain. The most important thing is to become the child of God. But for the multitude in this room who are children of God, does your life imitate God's? And that says this, walking in love. Look at verse 2 again. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, offered Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice in love. Two things, again, being an imitator of God. And the second one is this, walking in love. We can't miss this. Because this walk is an amazing walk. It's a walk empowered by God's grace. Did you, see what, did you hear what God just said to us? Walk in love. He didn't say walk in fear. He didn't say walk in such a way that I might strike you if you were not obedient. He didn't say walk in judgment because I'm judging you. He didn't say walk in condemnation because you're a sinner and you are messed up and fallen short of God's glory. He didn't say walk in hypocrisy. He said walk in love. God the Father who loves us enough to send God the Son to rescue us wants our lifestyle to reflect love. He wants us to be free to walk in love. Not in fear. Not in condemnation. He wants us to walk in love. Well, how can we walk in love? Because the reality is is, is that we aren't very loving and we stumble and fall. How can we walk in love? It's only by realizing how Jesus walked for us. Do you know that Jesus came here to do that which you and I did not do, failed to do? Do you know He came here to completely fulfill God's laws and requirements? You know that Jesus came here to walk in a manner that you and I should be walking in but fail to walk in? Jesus came to walk the walk of love. To walk the walk of life. Because God's perfection and holiness must be met. It must be met. God has to change His character if He's going to accept us. So Jesus had to come and do that which we didn't do or couldn't do. And that is walk the walk of life. But Jesus did more than walk the walk of life. Jesus walked the walk of death for us. Scripture says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And that the wages of our sin is death. We deserve damnation and hell and separation from God because of our sins in a holy God's sight. But Jesus came to walk the walk of death for us. And that death to a Roman cross, to that sacrifice and that that bleeding giving of His life for the forgiveness of our sins, that walk of death, so that we now can walk in love. It's amazing. That's what Jesus has done for us. He came to walk the walk of life so we can walk in love. He came to walk the walk of death so that we can be set free and truly walk in love. And now that's how we can walk. 
We walk in love, not in judgment, not in fear, not in condemnation, not in hypocrisy. Do you know how hard it is for me to get this? We can't miss this church. We can't miss this Orangewood. Are you in Christ Jesus? Have you given your life to Christ? Your life and your walk now should be in love. Because what Christ has done for you. Because you are a beloved child of His. Walk in the light of Christ's love. Walk in that light every day. The world is going to remind you when you wake up. C.S. Lewis says the first thing in the morning we're going to have to do is push back the darkness. Push back the darkness of your own sin. Push back the darkness of Satan saying that you're, you're a loser and you're nothing. Push back the darkness that says you don't have the energy and the strength to walk in love. Push back that darkness and put on Christ. Put on the reality of what Christ has done. Walk in light of Christ's love. We can't be the same after that experience of salvation. We cannot be the same. If Jesus did walk the walk of life for us, if He did walk the walk of death for us, if now the Father sees us in the Beloved in Christ, we can't walk our lives the same way anymore. We can't. We've been set free. The biggest travesty would be for us now to live in bondage, to walk in fear. May the love of Christ truly compel us. May the love of Christ truly compel us to walk this walk of love. He loves us so much He would give everything for our salvation. Walk in light of Christ's love. There's no more condemnation. It's amazing. I was, uh, this, this, uh, this week I was with uh, David Outing. The two of us got together. You have about somewhere about 600 pounds of pastor when the two of us get together. Big African-American preacher. Great, incredible heart for God. And we, we were just talking about the amazing love of Christ. And you got, you got two pastors that are just, I mean, we're just so excited talking about, man, we get to preach to God's people about the amazing love of Christ. And man, is there anything else to preach? And man, does that set our people free? And that reality that we can now walk in love how come we don't get it? And David's saying, I can't preach anything but Christ. And I said, I can't either. It's amazing because of what he's done. And now we can walk in love. And we got down on our knees together and we prayed together and we're holding hands. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of love right there kneeling down on my couch saying prayers. And you know the first thing he said? Can we sing the Lord's Prayer? I'm like, dude, I don't want to sing. I mean, come on, I'm here on my knees next to you, holding your hand. Are we going to sing the Lord's Prayer? I can't sing. But you know what? The love of Christ, I said, yeah, I'm going to sing about Jesus. I'm going to sing. And it may be a cracked voice, but there was my brother, hand in hand, compelled by the love of Christ, walking in the light of God's love for us in Christ singing the Lord's Prayer. Man, the love of Christ compels us to even sing. Listen to what Galatians 2.20 says. Paul writes, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You hear what Paul's saying? It says, I was there. My sins were there. I was crucified with Christ. No longer do I live, but Christ who lives in me. Why? And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. And the Son of God, who loved me, who loved me, and gave himself up for me, walk in God's grace, empowered by God's love, 
in light of Christ's love. Walk now reflecting Christ's love. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that we are now His ambassadors. That, that God was reconciling the world to Himself through Christ Jesus, not counting our sins against us. And now that we are His ambassadors. That God wants to make the world right through you and me. Unbelievably that now we as His ambassadors need not only to live in light of His love, but we need to reflect His love. We may be the only Bible folks are reading. We may be the only church that they see. We may be the only Jesus that they know. And we need to reflect the love of God in Christ. We need to say, God, let me die to myself because the life I now live, I live for Christ and in Christ who gave Himself up for me. May I truly be an ambassador of Christ so others will see and love Jesus. A walk in love reflects Christ's love. It's a sacrificial love. It's a sacrificial walk. Romans 12.1 tells us, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Here's the reality. We don't have to walk as imitators of God to try to become part of the family. Because we are in the family. Because of what Christ has done for us. Now we walk in love. But it is a walk that is sacrificial in a sense that we offer our lives as a sacrifice to God and say, come tell your story through this broken vessel. Do you know that God wants to tell His love story through you? God wants the world to see His amazing love through you. And here's the beauty. All you have to be is you. Can you do that? Can you be honest and say, you know what, I'm a broken vessel. I'm a sinner. I mess up. But I'm surrendering my life to Christ. And now I'm going to walk in a way and ask God to say, show the world Jesus through me. May now my life be a living sacrifice. By the way, I love God. The way I love others. By the way, we walk in freedom. Walk in love. Church, if we walk in bondage, if we walk in condemnation, we're no different than the world. The Gospel has got to set us free. The reality of who we are as beloved children has to change the way we love, the way we live, the way we think, and the way we act. Because God is telling a story through us we got to have a good smelling walk. The more we walk, the more we exert, the less we smell. Very good. But for, for us as Christians, the more we live, the more we walk, the more we love, we need to become the aroma of Christ. The aroma of Christ. Rubbing shoulders with the world, they got to say, there's something, there's something different. There's something sweet. It's just something that points me to Jesus. 2 Corinthians 2.15 says this, For we are the aroma of Christ to God. We are the aroma of Christ to God uh, among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Let me ask you as we close, if you were to wear a bracelet that described your walk of life, I mean, it was real and transparent. I mean, not just something you're trying to do, but if you were to wear a bracelet that described your walk of life, what would it be? What would it say? The first question that we have to answer is this. Can you wear the bracelet that God wants us to wear on our hearts, in our lives, in our souls that said, beloved 
child of God. Beloved child of God. Are you wearing that? How do you wear it? It's all by God's grace. I mean, it's just embracing Christ as Savior. It has nothing to do with uh, being baptized or joining a church, although those are important things. It has nothing to do about what would Jesus do and trying to emulate them. Although that's a very important thing. The bottom line is, are you a beloved child of God? Have you come to the place in your life where you realize that you're, you're broken with your sin and Jesus is your only way home? That the cross of Christ has paid the penalty for your sin and you embrace the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Are you a beloved child of God? And if so, rejoice. Because that will never change. Rejoice because God's eternal love has been placed on you and He'll never change His mind about you. Rejoice. He never sends rebellious sons and daughters out of the family. Rejoice. But if that's not you, today the message is... Don't do what Jesus did. Embrace Him as Lord and Savior. Embrace what Jesus has done. That is what we first and foremost need to begin with. What areas of your life aren't imitating God? What areas of your life have you not surrendered to Him? Truly, it is is clear in God's Word. He says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. If you want life and life abundantly, it's found in Jesus. It's found in following Him. It's a walk of love. It's not a walk of condemnation. What areas of your life are not walking in love? What areas of your life aren't walking in the truth of the Gospel? What areas of your life have you not been set free? Because listen, His blood was sufficient for all those areas. He wants you to now live your life and walk your life in a manner reflecting His love, truly having set free, being set free. And it should affect everything we do. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children. And walk in love. It's the way Christ has loved you. The way Christ has sacrificed for you and given Himself up for you. So that now we can walk in love. Let us pray. Father God, Each one of us has areas in our lives that are not imitating You. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would come with conviction that we would imitate our loving, holy, perfect God. And yet, Father God, I thank You for the reality that this message isn't be perfect so God can love you. I thank You for the message of the Gospel that says you're a mess, but I love you. You're broken, but I'm crazy about you. And everything that you should have done, Jesus has done. And the death He died was for you. And now walk in love as a beloved child. Father, I thank You for the reality there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I thank You for this amazing love that has set us free. God, for Your glory and the beauty of the church, may we leave here walking in Your love, reflecting Your love, because the world needs to see it. God, soak us with the Gospel. Soak us with Your love. Because it leaks out of us. We need to be mindful that we're Yours. We're beloved. And because of that, we imitate Daddy. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.